Well, all right, everyone. Good to see you guys. I have been told by my wife that I am not allowed to have a bumper sticker on my bumper because of the way I drive through Hampton Roads. So, yeah, we'll, we'll argue about that one, see what's going on. It's better than it used to be, though, isn't it, love? A whole lot better. So good to see you guys. Stand up with me, uh, with you will, if you will, real quickly. Why don't you turn around shake hands with two people, maybe three. Tell them your name and welcome them, and you can grab a seat. It is so good to have you at Exalt Church today. Thank you for coming out. My name is Roger Pate. I am the lead pastor. And uh, how about these new soft chairs? You guys enjoying those today? This, this is a ruse. We really are. We decided if we put them in, we'll get people to come a little earlier to get the nicer seats. So that's kind of the plan there. I want to continue our series today about the signs of a vital, of a healthy church, the vital signs of a healthy church. And I want to go over a couple of these points really quickly here, and we'll jump into today's message. It's simply this, a healthy church is a community. Number two, a healthy church is a worshiping community. A healthy church is a serving community. A healthy church is an outreaching community, and most of those messages are online if you want to catch those messages. And today I want to dive right into today's message, and it's this. A healthy church is a learning community, or you may want to use the word biblical community, or you can use the word growing community. A healthy church is a learning biblical or growing community. After Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven. And as He ascended into heaven, and before he did, he says, when I leave, I will give you another comforter. I will not leave you by yourself, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to teach you everything you need to know. Whereas I can only be in one place at a time, physically, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he can be everywhere at the same time. And he says, so I'm going to give you the Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, 120 people gathered in that room and they were praying. And the Bible says there was this sound of a rushing mighty wind and these signs of fire appeared on everyone. And the Holy Spirit came and it was the day of Pentecost. And right after that, about 3,000 people became believers. So picture this, our church is only six months old. We went from zero to about 150 regular attenders. Uh, we have about 200 people that call it home. Can you imagine going from 120 to over 3,000 believers? Wow, 3,000 kindergartners running around. And so at the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came and God did a work and, and arguably the church was birthed. And it has been the life world-changing organism that's ever existed. The church will last forever. The church will never die. It will exist for eternity. And here's what happens in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Catch these words. These 3,000 kindergartners, what did they do? The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so the very first evidence of the Spirit-filled church the very first evidence of God's New Testament church that Luke mentions after the Spirit's presence came upon them was they were a people that wanted to learn. They were a people that wanted to grow. 
They were a people that wanted to be foundationally established. They wanted to know what the apostles taught. They wanted to know what Jesus had taught. They wanted to know the Word of God. Now listen, it wasn't the 1400s, and so Gutenberg hadn't invented the press yet. So everyone did not have a copy of their own New Testament, or the Gideons weren't around either, and the internet wasn't here, so not everyone had a Bible collecting dust on their coffee table. Now, everyone had multiple versions of the Bible. And so to hear the Bible, they had to gather at the temple to read the scroll together. It was a community thing. And I want to drive that home here and say this, that God never saved you to keep you to live by yourself. God didn't save you to allow you to be a spiritual orphan. He gave you a family. He gave you a community. He gave you the church. So, yes, can you go out on the hunting trail and pray and experience God? Absolutely. Can you go hiking like Laura and I do and and worship God and he's there? Absolutely. Can you go on a fishing trip and God be there? Or stay at home and watch a TV preacher and God be there? Yes, but listen, you will never be all that God has called you to be by yourself, worshiping God in isolation. He's called you to be part of a community. i got to hit that. Now, we're going to talk about ways to grow as individuals, but the reality is he's called you to be a part of a family, not to be an orphan, to be part of a family. And what did these 3,000 believers do? Well, they didn't have their own Bible in their home. They didn't have the Internet. So they continued from house to house, going to the temple, and from house to house, listening to the teaching of the apostles. They wanted to grow. Now, this is not in your notes, but you can pull out your notes out of your, out of your worship bulletin there and your worship program there. But I want to hit a few things here real quickly before I jump into the message, and that's this. Corporately exalt church, we want to be this. We want to be a community where the pastors teach God's words with integrity and relevance. We want to be relevant. So in the days ahead, we'll be talking about relationships, we'll talk about marriage, we'll talk about parenting, we'll talk about life application, because I believe that the Bible speaks to every area of life. It, it is the manual to life. It addresses so many things. It addresses relationships, it addresses marriages and parenting, it covers everything. And so we want to be practical, we want to be relevant. But we also want to preach the word with integrity. Can I, can I be honest with you? There are times I stand here, and when I proclaim the Scripture, I know it's hard to hear because I know it's not what we want to hear. The Bible says that in the end times, men will have itching ears, and they'll want to hear doctrines of demons because they would rather hear what they want to hear than what the Bible says. And God is a good father. He's a kind father. And sometimes a kind, good father tells you no. And I don't want to get into a debate on parenting here today, but I'll tell you what, my good father had to warm my hind in every now and then because I was that kid. And all of us boys grow up, all three of us have grown up, and we respect our mother and our father. Not all of us are serving Jesus, not all of us are Christians, none of them are in the ministry except me, but all three of us respect our mother and our father. Why? Because we had a good father that told us no and said, you're not going to do that. He set boundaries. And the Bible sets boundaries. And sometimes we'll say, well, the Bible makes, is a killjoy because it tells me I can't do that. You know, I've never driven down 264 or I-64 and saw the 55-mile-per-hour sign and say, oh, they're out to get me. 
Now I haven't liked it a few times, and I've gone past the speed limit a few times, thus I can't have a bumper sticker on my car. I tell Lord, the witnessing tool, when the state patrolman pulls me over, Kenny, I'll say, do you know Jesus? Come to Exalt Church, sir, and I'll pay the ticket with a smile, you know, so maybe it can work. But why are, why are those signs there? The signs aren't there to kill your joy or, or, or to be a Debbie Downer. No, they're put there to protect you because someone had enough sense to have an engineer look at the roads and say, this is a safe speed for this area. And God is the designer of mankind. He made you and He created you. And because He made man, He made woman, He made relationships, He knows how you operate. He gave us a book to tell us the optimum way to allow your life to have the most purpose and to have the fullest life. And sometimes in the scripture he says, no. And we love to, we love to serve the Lord when we agree with him. And we love to, to walk with our spouse when we agree with them. And we, we love our school teachers when we agree with how they educate our kids. But we're never called to submit until we disagree. And it's when I disagree with something that God says that now I either disobey or I submit. When I agree with God and he says, you can come to heaven, oh yeah, I agree with that, I like that, Jesus. But when he says, Roger, you can't do that, you can't get drunk. Well, now I have to choose, will I be obedient and submit or will I rebel against that? You guys are quiet or I'm really loud, I don't know which. So here's the point. He's given us the scriptures to what? To allow us to know the operating system for how our life is to, first of all, know him and love him and serve him. But also the book of principles of how to serve each other. Because here, here's the commands of scriptures. There's only two commands. It's to love God with everything you have and love people as you want to be loved. And the Bible teaches that how to love God. Here is how God wants to be worshipped and honored and praised. And, and here is how we're to love our spouses and our children and our parents and our co-workers and our boss and our community. It's all there. Now, that's not in the notes. That's a freebie. But we want to teach the Bible with integrity and relevance. And with that being said, here's what we hope you can expect from us at Exalt Church. We, we hope you can expect to meet God here. We hope you can expect to be loved here. We're going to love you. We're going to love you unconditionally. We're going to love you. Even when we disagree with you, we're going to love you. We're going to hug you. We're going to receive you. But also, you can expect honesty here. We're going to love you enough to tell you the truth even when we don't like it. And there are times when I read the Bible, I scratch my head and I say, Father, I really don't like that too much. But then I also realize it's above my pay grade and I submit to Him. Amen. So as a community also, this is not the notes, we're getting there, but in the community, we also want to be a people, be a people group, a, a community that the people in our church love and are loyal to God's word. And finally, we want to be a community at Exalt Church that is preserved from unbiblical balance and unbiblical emphasis, and that we strive for being a balanced church. It's so easy to chase the latest fad. It's so easy to go to the extremes of emotionalism and say, okay, we want to be all spirit and, and be all emotional and, and be all excited and be all happy. And churches that are all emotional and all energy are churches that blow up. 
And then we have churches over here that they, they're so scared of the spirit, so afraid of emotion. Oh, we don't want to be emotional. Let me tell you guys, you were created to be emotional. You Virginia fans, you got emotional the other night when your team lost. Some of you cried. Corin still wears the hat. I'm so proud of Corin. He's still wearing the Virginia hat today. He, he's not a Fairweather fan. But I mean, a 16 seed beats your number one team. You're crying. You're emotional. Tell me I'm not emotional and walk your daughter down the aisle and see if your strong manliness isn't called into question as that tear forms in the side and you think, is he really good enough for her? So what this other group says, no emotion, no spirit, no life, and we just want the word. And these churches are drier than cracker juice. They're so dry. Now they teach the Bible, they love the Bible, but all word, you dry up. So all spirit and all emotion, you blow up, and all word over here, you dry up. And what we want to be at Exalt Church, we want to be the radical middle, the radical balance of word and spirit, and we want to marry those together because I believe if we have the word of God and the spirit of God and we bring those together in radical middle, in a radical balance, we don't blow up, we don't dry up, but we grow up. And that's what we want. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. Matthew 22, verse 34, 37 says this. He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's your emotions. It's okay to cry. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to raise your hands. It's okay to be happy in church. You were not baptized in pickle juice at Exalt Church. There is no lemon water out there where you're puckering up. No, we can. There is lemon water out there, actually. Well, okay. The censors have just censored me once again. Love God with all of your heart, all of your emotion. So lift your voice, cry, laugh, rejoice. But then he says, love the Lord your God with all your mind. To become a Christian doesn't mean you have to check your brain at the door. You can be intellectual and read the Bible and love God. Some of my closest friends who are scientists, I have some great friends who are scientists that, that love God and love the Scripture, and they are intellectual, and they're not very emotional, but they love God. Love with your heart and with your soul. And so we want to we wanna have that balance of the Word and the Spirit, the mind and the heart, and we want to bring those together when it comes to the Scripture. And we want to lift the Bible up, but realize that this is not a cadaver that we study. It's the living Word of God. It's not a phone book. It's not the Twilight series. It's not Harry Potter or it's not a biography that I love to read on Theodore Roosevelt. It is the living Word of God. It is amazing and it's alive. And when you read it with open eyes and an open heart and ask the Spirit to illuminate it, it changes our lives. So let's make it practical now. Let's, let's go on to you real quickly here. How do I get more from my Bible? It's in your notes. You can follow along with me here. Number one, and this is going to be controversial for some people in the Western world, I must accept its authority. 
Now let me say this, I, I am not one to try to prove things. That's not how my mind works. You know, I, I do have a great message on, you know, why I believe in the resurrection and I go through practical reasons why I believe in the resurrection. I won't be preaching that this, this, this year at our first Easter at Exalt, but I have a great teaching on that, so it's, it, it's that way. But typically what I like to do is I view the Bible like a lion. And here's what I do, I like to open the door and just let the, uh, the lion roar and let it out and let it do its business. I, I don't have to point out and explain, hey, it has a mane, it has a tail, it has sharp teeth, it has sharp claws. I like to open the door and just let the lion out and see what it does. And so that's kind of how I preach. I, I preach, you know, basically assuming you know it's a lion. You know it has claws. You know it has a tail. You know it has a mane. You know it's the Bible. You know it's the Word of God. You know it's God speaking. I, I assume you know that. And so I go from that and I just open the door and let the lion out and let him do his work. But we've got to understand if we're going to get the most out of it, we've got to accept his authority. Look at 2 Timothy 3 and 16. It says, the whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. The Bible's a mirror. It shows the pimple. It shows the ingrown hair. It shows the place where you failed to, to put the moisturizer. It, it shows it all. And it, listen, it says to realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. It is God's way of making us well prepared at every point, fully equipped to do good to everyone. So the Bible is breathed by God. Men wrote the Bible. So many of, over so many hundreds of years, men wrote the Bible, inspired by God, using their personality. When you read John's writing, it's different from Peter's writing. When you read Moses' writing, it's different than Isaiah's writing. When you read Mark, the secretary of Peter, write for Peter, it's different. And listen, the Bible's God's authority. Now listen, the Bible will not always tell you what you want to hear. But it will always tell you what you need to hear. Listen to that for a moment. And I want to say it again, I've got to hammer this. There are times... The Bible rocks me at my core. Now, I've been trained. I've learned to read the scriptures in the Hebrew languages and the Greek languages. I have that wonderful $55,000 Master of Divinity degree. I have that. And can I tell you, I've been trained to give you all of the right answers and how to argue certain things. I've got that down. But let me be honest with you right now and go back to my Kansas roots who was raised in a, in a blue-collar home. There's times I scratch my head and I say, I don't know what you are thinking, God. Why did you do it that way? And why do you set it up that way? And that's where I pause. And I simply say, you are God, I am not. And there are some stories that blow my mind. You know, Noah's Ark blows my mind. And you say, Roger, do you really believe in 2018 as an educated American, do you really believe that God put animals on a boat? I'm a simple guy. And here's my answer. Jesus Christ. The Son of the living God did. And if he believed in it, it makes it easy for me to believe in. That's how, that's how I approach a lot of those things. 
And there are some things I'll be reading and I'll pause and I'll say, God, I don't understand this. I don't know why you cramped my style like that. I, you know, I thought it was perfectly good. I don't know why you told me, no, I can't do that. And that's when I pause and I say, you're my savior. You saved my life from destruction. You saved my life from a future without hope. And I am indebted to you and my heart and my mind and my life and my body, it is yours. Do with it what you want. Long ago, I came to the realization that my life is not my own. My future is not my own. My money is not my own. Our house is not our own. Our time is not our own. Our, our intellect is not our own. It's his. And we give it to him. But we've got to accept his authority. So we've got to start there. Number two, let's hurry on here. I, I, I must absorb its truths. I told this story before, years ago I walked into a room and there was a youth pastor there and he was a new youth pastor and he had his Bible pressed up against his head and I snuck up on him and in the darkness, like six o'clock in the morning during prayer time and he has his Bible up of his head and he's going, oh mind, absorb the word of God, oh mind, absorb the word of God and I thought, you can't pay money for this, you know, I mean, this is better than going to the movies and I sat down and watched him for about 15 minutes go, oh mind. Absorb the word of God. And I thought, you are a granola Christian. You're a fruit, you're a nut, you're a flake, man. That's what I thought, granola. And I'm sitting there watching him, and, and later on I went up to him and I said, hey, I, I was watching you pray earlier. Yeah, I had a good time. I said, well, I said, what, what happened in your prayer time? He goes, well, you know, I took my Bible and I put it up to my head and I was saying, hey, mine, absorb the word of God, absorb the word of God. And I said, I called him by name and I said, how'd that work for you? He said, well, I heard this voice. I said, really, what'd you hear? I heard, son you got to read it. <laughs> True story. You can't make that up. If we, if we are going to absorb the Word of God, how do we do it? First of all, we got to hear it. If we want to get the Bible in us, we got to hear it. There are so many tools today. The Bible on MP3, the Bible on CD. Come Sunday and listen to the message. If you miss the message, go online and listen to it. It's normally there unless there's a technical difficulty sometimes, but we'll have it on there. Listen to the Bible on CD because the Bible says in Romans 10, 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But let me say this, hearing it isn't enough. Do you realize that within 72 hours after hearing this message, you will have forgotten 95% of what I said? That makes me want to retire right there. And so what do we do to counteract that? We provide you a note outline in your, in your messages, in, in your worship uh, program. And that might be old school, but we do that because we realize that studies have shown when people write and take notes, they remember. And so I encourage you when you read the Bible, get out a pen, get out a journal, go down to Walmart and buy a, a cheap journal and, and take notes of what God's saying to you, but, but hear the Word of God, play it and listen to it, drive down the road playing it. Number two, how do I absorb the Word of God? Read it. Read the Bible. And what's beautiful is when you can play it online where they pronounce all the hard words for you and you read along with it. It's beautiful. And the Bible says, happy is the one who reads this book and obeys what is written in it. 
And when I say read it, I want to say read it daily. Laura and I have fallen out of this habit. I want to get back in the habit, actually, of doing this. I've put it in my to-do list for the month. Is, is at dinner time, right before you eat dinner, right after dinner, as a couple read a chapter in the Bible. You're sitting down. You're there. You're already there. You know, so, so take the Bible. As a family, you can do that real easy, and you don't make the food get cold, and you can read it through a chapter. And as a family, you read it as a chapter right there. Now, that may not be enough for you, but that's at least a start somewhere, and it's systematic. You know, at dinner time, you're going to sit down, and you're going to do it every day so be systematic and and read the bible i encourage you to start in the new testament at matthew or luke in fact in your worship program we have in there this this week we have a, a tool for you of how you can read the entire new testament through in 30 days grab it within about 10 minutes you can read the entire new testament in 30 days by just following that plan so so grab it and use that that's just a tool for you you can go online to the U version of the bible it's my favorite one the uversion.com and what you can do is you can download a reading plan that's right for you. There's a, a reading plan for all the year. I'll be honest with you guys. I love my computer. I love my phone. I don't do real well with calendars on my phone or computer. I have to go back to the old bullet system of, of organizing. And when it comes to Bible reading, I don't do well reading online. I have to have my Bible where I can touch it. I'm kind of a kinetic learner. I want to touch it. I want to smell it. I want to feel it. I, I want to ride in it. I, I, and that's how I do it. But start reading it. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you the first one here today. Stop by the information table. You don't have to fill anything out. There's a New Testament there. We'll give it to you that has some great articles in there. It'll get you started right there. So we have that for you. But, but read the Bible. Read it. And sometimes I'll be asked this question. They'll say, Roger, for a new believer or a new Christian, what, what Bible do you recommend? I recommend for new Christians and new believers, as far as devotional reading, the New Living Translation. It is fantastic. It's great for devotional reading. It takes out all the ye's and the these and the thys, and it makes it normal, and you can read it, and it's not as poetic as the old King Jim version, but it's very nice, and you can read it, and you can understand it. And then I want to say, read it systematically. Don't, don't read Matthew one day and then jump over to Exodus the next day. And please, 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 if you're new to the Bible, stay out of Revelation. <laughs> Everyone wants to go to Revelation. Who's the Antichrist? I want to say it again. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus. When you read Revelation, read it through a Jesus Christ lens, not who is the Antichrist lens. If you do that, Christian, it will change your whole understanding of it. Well, that's some good preaching there. But if you're new, start in Matthew. Well, Roger, I want to start in Genesis at creation. Genesis is beautiful. It's wonderful. But here's what I found out with new believers. They start in Genesis, and they get through Genesis, and they get through Exodus, and they get to a book called Leviticus, and I start getting emails and phone calls. What does Leviticus mean? Now, I love Leviticus, but I don't start a new 
Christian there. But why do I love Leviticus? Because when I read it, I see Jesus in it everywhere. Oh, Jesus fulfilled that. Oh, Jesus did that. But start in Matthew. So get your Bible. Go to the table contents and find Matthew. And guys, if you think I'm being too simple here, i got to say this. We live in a culture today that is biblically illiterate. We have gone into a post-modern culture. My wife is an English teacher. She teaches literature. And we talk about all the time how many references to literature that reference the Bible that people no longer get because they don't even know who Adam and Eve were. So if you're biblically illiterate, it's fine. Know it and start it and, and start systematically. And please don't do this. Don't take your Bible and just open it up and, and point. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to do that. You're going to say, Judas went and hung himself. Go and do likewise. What you see, do it quickly. You know, that's what you're going to do. So start in the Bible. And let me say this. If you start in Matthew... You're going to read Matthew, you're going to read Mark, you're going to read Luke, you're going to read John, and if you're brand new to the Bible, you're going to finish Matthew, and you're going to read about how he was born, and how he died, and how Jesus healed these people, and how he rose from the dead, and you're going to say, that is great, and then you're going to go to Mark, and you're going to hear it all over again, and you're going to say, I just read that, and then you're going to go to Dr. Luke, and you're going to read it all over again. And you go to John, and John's going to be a little bit different, but it's going to be pretty much the same story. And you're going to be saying, why? Because you have four witnesses talking about the story from four different angles, and they all bring out something different. Dr. Luke talks about more of the medical issues and more detail, and Matthew talks more from a Jewish perspective, and John just blows your mind. He really does. So, so get the Bible, read it systematically, start the New Testament, and start reading it, and, and start five minutes a day, start ten minutes a day, J just start, and, and start there. And then, how do we absorb the Word of God? We study it. And listen to what the Bible says, it says in Acts 17, 11, it says, they accepted the message eagerly, and they studied the Scriptures every day. A healthy Christian is a Christian that wants to grow in the Scriptures and learn. A healthy church is a church that wants to study and grow in the Word of God. And so I'm often asked this question, Roger, what's the best study Bible? And so if you are a, a believer and you've had the New Testament, Living Testament, and you're, 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 you're deeper and you want some more tools, my personal favorite recommendation is this. It's the ESV the English Standard Version Study Bible by Crossway. It's the best one. So don't go down to Lifeway and have them talk you into something else, all right? I'm telling you what I think is the best and my favorite as far as I use for my studies. And then I would say to you that have been in the Word for a while, get a parallel Bible. A parallel Bible is a Bible, usually it's the New Testament only, and it has multiple versions side by side where you can read it in different versions and compare it. And when you do that, things will pop out to you because, oh, here is how the Century Version says it. Here is how the New International Version says it. And, and it's beautiful. And let me say this. I, I, I want to go home here with you for just a moment, if I can. I've had the privilege of taking time, of taking passages of Scripture in my studies and translating them 
from Hebrew. The Old Testament written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Aramaic and Greek, uh, and translating those scriptures to English. I've had that privilege. But can I tell you that 99.9% of versions that are offered, I would say 100% at Lifeway, the versions they offer are amazing translations of the scripture. And I don't care of any of the ones at Lifeway you get, you can get any one of them. They're great translations. It did not miss anything. The reason I try not to throw out here, oh, the Hebrew word says this and the Greek word says this to you is because I don't want to undermine your thinking to think you need a preacher to tell you what the Bible says. I want you to be able to go back to the Bible and read it and say here is what it says. Now, sometimes I can help you with history. I can help you with context and those things, but I never want to come across with the attitude or the opinion that says I'm the educated one. I had the degrees. You don't know anything. I'm the doctor. I've got the cure, you're the sicko. I hope a doctor doesn't call you a sicko, all right? You're unwell, okay? I, I, I want you to understand, you can take the Bible and you can read it and it's accurate and it's good. And there's things, yes, that the ancient languages help me pull out sometimes, a pull and diagnose and help, but there's nothing in it that you cannot understand and apply to your life. There's nothing missing from the ancient transcripts is what I'm trying to say to you. They're accurate. Can you say yes to that? I know we're going a little weird today, but i I, I got to hammer some of this stuff. Finally, let's move on here. So if I'm going to absorb the Word of God, i got to memorize God's Word. Put the Word of God in it when you don't need it. It'll come out when you do need it. When Jesus Christ was tempted by Satan, he didn't have time to run and get a scroll. He couldn't run to the temple. He had to stand there and by memory say, Satan, it is written, you shall have no other gods before me. Satan, it is written, get behind me, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so, if you get in the Bible and you start chewing it like gum, take a verse of scripture, write it on an index card, or write it in your journal, put it on your bathroom window, put it on the visor of your car when you stop at that red light, pull down the visor, and read it over and over and over. Begin to memorize it. Begin to get it in your heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, shall have everlasting life. Put those in your heart. If you're struggling with love in your marriage, find and memorize 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not keep a record of wrong. Love is good. And you start telling yourself those things. Get the word of God in you when you don't need it. It'll come out when you do. And so the Bible says in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 7 verse 2 through 3 says, guard your words as your most precious possession. Write, guard my words, I'm sorry, as your most precious possession. Write them down and also keep them deep within your heart and memorizing. You're just putting it into mind. And Colossians 3 and 16 says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And then finally, meditate on it. Memorize and meditating goes hand in hand. Chew it over and over and over again like bubble gum. Talk about the word. Chew the word of God. Talk about the Bible with your kids. Talk about the Bible with your with your teenagers. Talk about the Bible when you're driving. Talk about the Bible during halftime, during the March Madness. Talk about the Bible. Talk about it and get it to be a part of your everyday conversation in life. Meditate on it. And finally, number three, if we're going to be healthy Christians, if we're going to be a healthy church, we're going to be a growing church, we're going to be a learning church, we're going to be a biblical church, number three, this is the hard part, I must apply the Bible's principles. You must 
do it. I meet people all the time around town, and they'll say to me, I quote, I just want a fresh word from God. And oftentimes I think, and sometimes I say it, did you obey the last old word from God? Now, I love you, but I'm going to go here. I'm going rogue. I'm going off the notes again. I've been off the notes most of the morning. You probably can tell. But let me go here. Oftentimes, we're asking God for direction and an answer and for him to enlighten something in us. And we were not obedient to the very last thing he said to us. And so why would he say anything else to you had you not did what he said before? It's kind of like my way of counseling. I told you that I don't do a lot of in-depth counseling. I do about three sessions and refer you to a counselor. But my favorite counseling technique is two words, stop it. I mean, that's really my counseling technique. Stop it, okay? And I tell you that now because you won't email me to counsel you. So stop it. So there's a method to my madness. Stop it. YouTube Bob Newhart, stop it. You'll get my, my joke there. Stop it. And here's the reality. I talk to people and you will counsel them and share with them some of the scripture. And they'll come back the next week and they won't do what you said last time. Did you do that? No, I didn't have time. No, I, I, I didn't. Guys, when you read the Bible, we got to apply. Has it been that time already? Wow, you just saved them, guys. Thank you so much. Stand with me. There, I'm out of time. Stand with me. We'll, we'll wrap this up here. Stand with me. We'll wrap it up right here. And I thought I was going to finish early today on this message, guys. All those rabbit chasing happened. I must apply its principles. The Bible says once you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. James wrote, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And so when the Lord has given you instruction, start there by doing it. Doing it. Knowing that he loves you. Knowing that he is for you. Knowing that he has your best interest. One of the reasons why I love my wife's advice so much, I don't always accept it. I don't always like it. But the reason why I like it so much when I do like it, because I know she loves me. I know she's for me. I know she's not out to get me. And even when she gives me advice, and it, it irritates me. And I pro I'm a process. I'm going, did you really say that? Did you really, did you really, did you really tell, tell me? And you, start, and you realize, you know, I didn't like what she said. But she does love me. And she is for me. So I need to take this into consideration. And she's fallible. And her love isn't perfect. And she doesn't have the ultimate perspective. You see, you serve a God that has what I call, I'm going to let you go, I promise, that has parade vision. 
When I went to the Rose Parade there in, in Pasadena, California, I was watching the different floats go by. I thought, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's nice. But could you imagine had I been in a helicopter and I saw from this perspective and I could say, oh, they're going to turn right there. Oh, they're coming from there. Look where they're going. Oh, there's going to be a traffic stop over here. Oh, people are on the road there. Could you imagine being up here, how you could control and look and make it more effective than just being right here saying, oh, that's a nice float. And that's our perspective, guys, apart from God. We see right here our lives, and this is all we see and all we can take in. And then God gives you a great wife, and she sees the back end of it and says, I can see that side. But she's not God, and you're not God. But God has this ultimate perspective where he sees absolutely everything. He saw before time began. He saw when time happened. He saw everything going on. He's working it through, and he sees the end. He sees your life. He sees the insides. He sees your personality. He sees your character. He sees how you're designed. He sees everything about you. And so he has a perspective that you and I don't have. He sees what we don't see. His eyesight is limitless. Ours is limited. He has all information. We have some information. And so when God speaks from the Bible, the Word of God to us, he is speaking with this wisdom and understanding that you and I don't always get right here. And not only that, but with this, even though he sees it all, here's what makes it beautiful. He loves you. He is for you. He is on your side. He roots for you. He has your best interest in mind. And so when he gives a direction or a correction, it's because he loves you and he knows what's best and what's the best for you. And when you say, yes, Lord, you're simply saying, I acknowledge that I don't understand it all. I acknowledge I don't have all the perspective. I may not like it. But Lord Jesus Christ, speak into my life and transform my life and grow. Guys, growing is hard. Growing is painful. If you've ever, and you have been because you're not in children's ministry, if you've ever been through puberty, you know how hard growing is. Bones crack. Things change. Pimples occur. But you grow. You go to the gym and you, you pump the iron. And man, I do it all the time. You can tell, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, you put that out. Well, why don't I go? It's painful, man. It hurts. Jeremy, you go hit a few tennis balls and I go home, crawling home because it hurts. Sometimes growth hurts. But know this God loves you and He's growing you. And that pain produces muscle and you get stronger. And here's what's going to happen when you get stronger, I'm going to help someone else grow now. I'm going to help someone else be all that God's called them to be. Amen. There it is, guys. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. As the band comes, once you guys come, Laura, come on. I'm going to pray for you guys. Thank you for being patient with me. Wasn't the band awesome today? Wasn't they remarkable today? Father, thank you for your church. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the word of God. And Lord, we love you. We're yours. And so Lord, grow us up. Mature us. Direct us. Correct us.
inspire us, give us a new perspective. And Lord, may we always know that your heart is for us and you're not against us. Lord, I pray that Exalt Church would forever be a healthy church. May we be a community that's, first of all, about you, Jesus. Give us a passion to love you with all of our hearts, with all of our energy and emotion. And also, Lord, give us a passion to learn you in the intellect and our mind. Lord, we give you these people today, your beloved people, your beautiful people. I thank you for each and every one. And the ones I've only met once or haven't met yet, Lord, I thank you for them. I thank the ones that call this place home. Grow us up, Lord, and transform us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Make us healthy. Amen.